So, all right, college baseball fans, we have a amazing guest here today. Someone that we're very, very happy to have on. It's Matt Wyatt, who is producing a video that ties close to our hearts, um, dealing with the 11.7 scholarship, um, the unevenness of college baseball versus other sports. It's called Uneven, naturally. And uh, he has mattwyattmedia.com, where he has um, some promo videos there. And then unevenbaseball.com is where the uh, pretty much you can find out everything that the research he's doing there, uh, just kind of the scholarship issue there. But yeah, he's a video production guy, played football at Mississippi State. Matt, man, very pumped to have you on. We're going to listen about your story and uh, kind of promote your video you're coming out with here pretty soon. Yeah, well, I just appreciate you having me. It's good to talk to you. And like I told you, you know, I became very aware of you guys because early on, sort of thinking, well, what could we call this? We could do this or that. What about 11.7? And if you Google 11.7, well, boom, you know, there you are at the top of that list. And so I've been aware of you guys for a while. And we'll just sell you the rights to 11.7 for a million bucks right now. We'll make a deal. Whoa, right whoa, 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 Yeah, you guys might want to powwow on that. No, yeah, if a million dollars is the price tag, I'm out. I'll just be <laughs> We'll negotiate. How about like $10? No. <laughs> but uh, man, we're, we're pumped to have you. So uh, kind of tell us a little bit about like some of the guests that you have on the um, like on the video. Like I'm looking at the homepage right now and you have like Ron Polk, who was one of our first guests, you know, godfather of college baseball. Who are some of the like guests that you have interviewing on this? And uh, kind of tell us about maybe some cool things to look forward to. Wait, I was yeah. going to say, I'm sorry. I was going to cut you off. I was just going to say, um, I wanted to, before we get into all that, I just wanted to get people familiar with why you started, how it started and like yeah. what your first steps were. That's a, a good call. Trans- let's, because let's, that, let's that, that, we can get into that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, obviously in, in, for me being in Mississippi and being at Mississippi state, you, um, I became kind of acutely aware of what a big deal college baseball is. And, I grew up in the state of Alabama uh, as a Braves fan, you know, a child of the 80s and 90s, watching every Braves game back in the old days on WTBS. That's how old I am, okay, first of all. (laughs) And then, uh, but wound up playing uh, football in college, went to Mississippi State on a football scholarship. And immediately you start that first year, you go to some baseball games back at the old Duty Noble Field, and you're like, what is this? I've never seen anything like this. Um, it became routine for us. To, we really looked forward to home SEC weekends because we ate so well in the outfield. You know, they feed us when we watch baseball. So just immediately upon being a student at State, became a huge baseball fan. And you just become baptized in what college baseball is and what a cool thing it is, right? And frankly, not everybody around the country understands or has that same experience. So that's kind of where it started for me, the love for for college baseball. And then I began a media career uh, here in the state, hosting radio shows. And that led to opportunity to call games uh, for Mississippi State in the football booth, which led to opportunities to call some baseball games uh, on SEC Plus, which has been really, really cool. And and so it, it just college baseball is just a year round thing for us in the state of Mississippi and being in media, I'm just up to my neck in it around the clock, 365. Yeah. Can't get enough of it. (laughs) And, and and yeah, in a good way, right. I can't get enough in a good way. And so as you guys know, then you can't help, but start to pick up traces of 11.7 scholarships. What is that all about? Why is it 11.7? 
Why do some schools have ways around it? Maybe others don't. Why are there some Division I schools that aren't even giving out 11.7 scholarships, yet we're hosting them in a regional? They're supposed to compete with us. If we beat them, they're going to fire their coach, and he has half the scholarships that we have. You know, mm-hmm. like, why is it this way? Because in football, which I played, you know, I graduate after five years, a red shirt, and play for four, and I walk away, and I'm debt-free. Yeah. Okay. And I have buddies and friends who I went to school with at 38, 39, 40 years old, still paying off student debt. Mm -hmm. So I realize how fortunate I am. Yet, you know, these all Americans who led our teams to the college world series and guys like that were, you know, in large part paying their way to be there. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. And, and honestly, guys, it was one of those where I felt like, um, you know, I just at a time in my life, in my career with the video production side of things and being able to tell a story, I just thought, I'm just going to do my part. I don't know if it's going to be great. I don't know if it'll resonate with a hundred people or a thousand or 10,000. I just feel like I got to do this and put this out here and do my part of maybe trying to, um, bring awareness to it, bring awareness. You know, I've thought about the word documentary. It's almost like if we can get the right people to talk about it on camera, we can do like an info mentory yeah. um, where people can <laughs> you know watch this and say, okay, I feel a little more educated about this subject now. Watching your, so for those of you that don't know, he's been posting, I guess, teasers once a week. Um, you've been posting little snippets of it. It really gives me the ESPN 30 for 30 vibes. It does. Like That's where you've got a little comparison. bit of action. you got a little bit of talking. You're learning about what's going on, but it's not like you're just sitting there watching a news channel just talk about it. It's more action. It's more entertaining. Well, and that's been a, you know, just to kind of give you a peek behind the curtain, you know, on the production side of it, uh, that's um, been really fun to work along the way. And, and like I told you guys, we were actually going to try to get this done last when, year, 2020. When did um, you start filming? Like, what's the timeline? How long? I started to peck away at the beginnings of lining it up, uh, put the idea skeleton out and start to shoot a little video back in 2019, as okay. far back. So like, you'll see stuff in the, um, and, and probably already have seen a few shots here, there in the uh, teasers that were, mm-hmm shot as far back as 2019. Um, and the hope back then was to ramp it all up and then finish it during 2020. And, and here comes COVID and it canceled the season. And we- It probably everything. gave you more time to have a clear mind and really amp up and yeah, get quality. Not, not rush it, you know? You, you had all the time in the world. Think about it, plot it out. You're exactly right. Yeah, while quarantined at home, you know, all of last <laughs> year. And, and you're right to- continue to read and study. And I, and I will say this, okay, like I'm, I wasn't a 4.0 student. Okay. So I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, so to speak, but you know, pretty decent head on my shoulders. And even with all that time of still studying, it's like every day I learn a little something new. I get a little bit better grasp because you guys know this, it's complicated. Oh yeah. I mean, this thing is so like nuanced and complicated. It's like, we got 299 division one schools and they all have like a different scholarship situation than the other it it's it's difficult to really grasp all at once you know and 
a lot of times in the media world, um, there's these ideas of, um, of there's a, a thing, you know, the, the term an elevator pitch, meaning, okay, if you have an idea, could you get on the elevator with somebody on the first floor? They, you're going to the fourth floor, and before they get off the elevator, could you have explained the idea to them in that amount of time? What's your elevator pitch? Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's impossible with this subject. You impossible. Can't, you you can't like, explain this to somebody on an elevator. It's like, hey, how much you know, time do you have? Because I can use it all. <laughs> because you know what the crazy when talking you're talking about, you know how complicated and everything is, and all these schools and these different dynamic. All what the issue I think is just the broad way of thinking about it is. I tell someone you have thirty something for thirty years. It breaks every once a year. You just keep putting a patch on it. And so yeah. after 30 years, you have probably 30 different patches, some glue, some concrete, some wood, some nails, some screws, and it's just all bundled together. And that's what we have today. And that's what we have. You're exactly right. There's just a million different things that, that keep popping up that can affect a loophole, yeah. a, a loophole here, an advantage there, you know, um, the, obviously, which we get into the, the lottery stuff in one state which is a great idea for colleges and universities, but obviously they can use it for baseball. Some States don't have it. So it can really be confusing. And so you're right. There's good. It's been good to have some extra time. And the best thing about it, honestly, is the willingness of the people that are involved in the sport, the coaches, uh, athletics directors at some of these schools that are so willing to say, yeah, Matt, sure. Come on up here you know, and bring your camera and we'll, we'll sanitize our hands and you sit over there and we'll talk. I'm happy to talk about it because they're the ones that are living it, recruiting in it and trying their best to make it work for everybody. And the one thing I think that really in my head that continues to run on loop is the comment I got from John Cohen, who's Mm -hmm. the AD now at Mississippi state used to be the coach, you know, coach at Kentucky, uh, and everything and, and the way he worded it. And I think it's in one of the promos is, you know, so many of these players are paying for the privilege to be here and play at this level. And he said, I just don't think college baseball ought to be for those who can afford it. It mm-hmm. ought to be for those kids that want to play it. And can play it. And, and you see it and you see it every year with guys, you know, going straight from high school to the MLB draft because, you know, they're not guaranteed a full scholarship at, you know, North Carolina or Ole Miss, wherever they choose to go. And they have a six-figure, sometimes even seven-figure paycheck waiting for them. I mean, they're not even going to think twice about it. You know, go play at college and pay, pay your way to get there or get paid to play immediately. And so, like, that's the biggest discrepancy for me. Like, I think the college game is, is hurting itself by not being able to get um, players who can't afford to pay their way through college like they're forced to take a different route some of them don't even play at all like I play with multiple like super talented kids in travel ball growing up where college was never an option for them you know they were never going to play college baseball unless they got a full scholarship so instead of going to play at the top tier d1 level they're playing nai nai ball or d3 ball or um, juco ball because they didn't have to pay for anything so it, it, it is the fact that like who can pay to play rather than who can play right yeah. Right. It is. And, and how did it make you guys feel when you saw that first promo where Butch Thompson, Mm -hmm. uh, the head coach at Auburn says to take it a step further, even worse case, more so than, you know, guys don't get to play where they want to. 
they're giving it up at 13 years old. Where you got a head coach in the SEC that says, you got kids at 13 that are getting tapped on the shoulder and somebody's telling them, hey, listen, you don't need to play baseball. Yep. You're tall, you're fast, you're long, you're athletic. Basketball and football, you can get a full scholarship in this sport. You can get a full scholarship and never play. And and don't even have to be that great. Yeah. Got my hand up right here. <laughs> you know, and, and it is true. Um, so that's the real shame of it to me is that, you know, some of the far reaching effects. Um, I talked to one coach, um, you know, here recently, and he said, you know, I'm not so sure that there are a ton of situations where you've got a young kid who's looking at the money down the road, mm-hmm. you know. He said, you know, I don't know that that's always, he goes, but what they are seeing is, you know, that older brother, that cousin, that guy that they've been watching for three or four years at their local high school gets that football scholarship mm-hmm. and knows the family and, and his parents then get the message. You know, he said, so it kind of works the way through the family that they understand, you know, a lot of times they look, the kid's great at baseball, but we're not going to be able to afford it if he keeps going. We got to kind of push him towards another sport. And that's the that's the biggest shame mm-hmm. to me because what that's doing is the lack of opportunity. You could look at it this way. The lack of opportunity in the middle space of this sport, the, the, the developmental space of this sport in college baseball is not only having an effect on maybe participation at the youth, but then obviously you see the effect of uh, there are certain demographics and types of kids that are, you know, not being drafted out of the college ranks and therefore aren't playing in pro baseball. So it has a big effect. How much does title nine play effect into the 11.7 scholarship? Cause that's what I've always been told. And I believed it. It's kind of like the safety net, like, Oh, the NCAA would love to expand the scholarship limit, but title nine, but title nine, um, how much like have you learned about Title IX and how much like an effect that plays? In yeah, the- I, I've learned about it, and um, it, it's a huge factor. Mm-hmm. And just like the other things, you know, there there are several different angles you can look at it and and see where it plays a role. So, sort of the history there is that I think it's 1990 when you know Title IX was basically voted into law, mm-hmm. um, and what I love about this, you know, you talk to baseball coaches, they all say, look, title nine was needed. Women had no opportunities to play college sports. It's great what it did for them, but the unintended consequence was, and then we go down the baseball path of how it has affected baseball. So in 90, they voted it in. And what the NCAA did is they go, okay, we're going to have to balance these scholarships and make sure we have the same opportunities for women that we do for men. So, our first step is we're going to cut all men's scholarships across the entire NCAA. Every men's sport is going to be cut by 10%. So football went from 95 to 85. Baseball was at 13. So it goes from 13 mm-hmm. down to 11.7. There's the math there. <laughs> Bingo. So there's just basic math and, you know, and other sports too. So they cut men's scholarships. So yes, there's always that element to give you an example you know, like baseball is always compared directly to softball. And a lot of the coaches and others will tell you, you know, we both play with a bat. It's a stick and ball sport. We all have gloves, mm-hmm. but it's kind of unfair 
to just have us mirror each other because softball is so different. I mean, they'll have a pitcher who throws three times in a week. Exactly. Are, and people you know, forget they, that. Yeah. They forget it. The arms are different. Therefore, because of that, the roster sizes are different. They have 16 players on their roster. Baseball has 35 and 27 on scholarship. They got 16, but they got 12 scholarships for that. We're sitting over here at baseball with 35 eight walk-ons and 27 uh, scholarship guys and 11.7. We got fewer scholarships with a bigger roster. Why? Well, because men play football and you go, wait a minute, what's that have to do with it? Well, title nine, we're balancing it out. Therefore they're getting a little more. So title nine definitely has an effect because it pushes the financial thing in everybody's lap. If you go to Mississippi state, they're in the SEC and they've got this revenue sharing. They got, frankly, the SEC schools have more money than they know what to do with nowadays. Yeah, you just keep seeing those indoor facilities being built, and I mean, it's crazy all the all the equipment facilities that these teams get compared to the rest. It it really is, and and so that's not the case at team number, you know, two hundred or mm-hmm. team number two hundred and fifty. They don't have more money than. It. In fact, like we said earlier, they may be their their division one. They're competing for the same championship as Ole Miss and LSU, but they can't even fund the full 11.7. They're making do with what financial situation they have. They might be losing money in their athletic department. Those people, they don't want to hear anything about Mm -hmm. adding more scholarships because, okay, yeah, it sounds great. We could add more to baseball, but we've also now got to figure out what we're going to fund for women to even it out because of title nine. So if your listeners aren't totally confused and asleep by now, I, <laughs> I'm impressed and I'm really sorry that I put no, it. No, no, no. That's all interesting <laughs> stuff. And it's something that like isn't put on the forefront, like on the table, like most of the time. It's like the, a lot of the stuff is hidden or like kind of, you know, shied away from. People don't like talking about this. And the reason why, you know, I was so pumped to interview is because like watching that, that trailer and that teaser, I mean, you had some big nine or big time names and guests mm-hmm. on this. And uh, one that stuck out to me in particular was Ron Polk, who actually was one of our first guests we ever had on the podcast before we even had a hundred followers on Twitter. He saw our name. We reached out to him. He said, yes, I'll do your podcast. I don't know what a podcast is I'm calling <laughs> on my cell phone. He's like, I want to talk about this 11.7 scholarship limit. How passionate was Ron Polk about doing this interview with you? You know, on a scale of one to 10, he's 11, (laughs) 11.7. There you go. That's perfect for him. You know, on a scale of one to 10, he's 11.7 because, you know, the truth is around here, Ron Polk has such a larger than life sort of reputation. And, you know, his name is humongous. It's on the stadium at Mississippi state. You know, a guy I went to school with Eric DuBose just got inducted into the Ron Polk ring of honor a couple of weeks ago. You know, it's a, huge deal. He's iconic. When I was playing football at state um, game day, Saturdays, we're in the locker room fixing to come out for the, you know, opening kickoff and coach Polk would walk around our football locker room with a big cigar sticking out of his mouth. He'd shake every player's hand and wish us good luck. You know, it was almost like he was the ambassador uh, before he became the ambassador for the school. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's huge. And so you need to know that context to know that, his reputation among people in our state, but also anybody out there in college baseball who's, who's been around for a while, his reputation is one, a guy who sort of drove the sport, you know, up, onward and upward in terms of interest, local interest with what he was doing at Mississippi state in the 
seventies and eighties started that sparked it there. And his reputation is he's the attack dog. He's the one who's been out here nipping at the NCAA. They, they, the NCAA hated him. And, and they vice loved versa. Him. <laughs> they loved him for what he would bring into the NCAA, but they hated him for what they didn't want anyone else to know about. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. And they it, hated him. And, and he wrote that 18-page letter and, and <laughs> sent it you know, to anybody he could get an address for. And it minced no words across those 18 pages. And he was, when I started this, he was kind enough to mail me a copy of that. And uh, I opened it up and it was not, it was not like a freshly printed brand new copy. It was one that you could tell he just had it on file. Yeah. There's a coffee stand <laughs> on it and everything. I'm like, this is cool. This is authentic, know, authentic Iran Polk original. And reading through that, you could just see back then he could, the, uh, you know, that letter, over 10 years old, you could see that then he had a firm grasp of where the situation was and where it was going to go. Um, and so talking to him, it, it was great, you, you know, to not only understand the 11.7, but a lot of the other restrictions on baseball too, which, you know, we'll touch on some of the others in the piece, but you just frankly don't have time to get to all of it. But, you know, baseball, for instance, being, the only NCAA sport with a roster cap. Um, the NCAA says you can only have 35, period. Normally. Now, I know we're having, we've, we've lifted it because of COVID, COVID yep. for now, but we're going to, they're like, all the coaches are like, we understand we're going back to 35. They're the only ones that have a cap. You know, I didn't know that. I didn't really, I mean, I, I knew that yeah, baseball th- had a yeah. cap, but I didn't realize it was the only sport that did. Only one. Think about and, football practice squad. They can have the biggest practice squad in the world. Basketball yeah. can have the biggest practice, whatever they want. Right. You wow. know, the other thing that Coach Polk, um, uh, you know, really is sensitive to is the coaches issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the graduate assistantship has been eliminated in baseball. They've eliminated that in baseball. Um, it has, as you saw in the most recent promo, he's, he's pointing out, Baseball has the fewest number of allowable coaches per roster size than any other sport. The coach to player ratio in yep. college baseball is, is, and you go, well, again, why is that? Well, it's because um, part of it is the financial thing. It's because the NCAA has kind of always looked at baseball like, hey, not a revenue jet. Yeah. It, it's, it, and look, they, you know, those people, those families, those programs, they'll figure it out. They always do. The baseball people always figure it out. It's like if you go to a high school, you guys know this, you go yeah. to most high schools, you know, the high school is not out here like spending a bunch of their own money on the baseball batting cages and fixing up the infield. Who's doing Booster that? clubs. They're raising their own money. They're out there, you know, mowing the, the coach takes care of the field himself. They, the parents are out here you know, digging holes and putting in poles and cement and stringing up netting to have a batting cage. And they're like, ah, baseball will figure it out. Baseball will figure it out. Man, that's just so true. Like now that you bring that to my attention, like that is so true. Like baseball gets no, like, I mean, I'm not going to say none, but very little support from the schools and high school and even college, like coaches are mowing the grass, coaches are dragging the dirt, uh, chalking the lines. The players are doing that before the game. Like you don't see that before a football game. Like you have a full staff of people. You have a you have a towel boy in the basketball that mops up the, the sweat off the floor. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that that is crazy. Baseball will just figure it out. Like that is like a life motto right there. 
And oh, they always yeah. do, whether it's raising yeah. money or, you know, fixing the field up, baseball will figure it out. So I've noticed, so based on what you've made public so far, you've had a lot of coaches and figures from like the Southeast, the SEC and baseball and, you know, here, have you been able to expand as much? Like what is your, like, um, what your realm of what you're trying to reach? Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't, um, and it's one of those things where I think, you know, it'd be awesome to uh, have been able to do a little more travel over the last year or so um, in a normal situation, you, you know, I probably wouldn't have hesitated maybe to uh, go out point. West. Yeah. Yeah. Head out West, especially, um, you know, head up to Michigan and figure out how they've done their roster, you know, and some of those things, the travel thing has been a little bit of a, um, you know, of a, of a hill to climb just because, you know, I, I, we, we take, we've taken our family, especially, you know, we've really taken the COVID thing seriously and have avoided airplanes at all costs Mm -hmm. um, and, and have only driven, which makes it a little bit tougher, but, you know, I think more accurately um, it's a deal where, you know, going into this, I wanted the final piece to be probably no longer than one hour. It wasn't something where I was going to be able to approach it in, you know, several stages and have several like um, episodes, episodes, right. Uh, which we can make it maybe do something like that in the future, but if we're going to do one piece and we're going to kind of condense this to an hour or less, then I've, I just looked at it like, you know, I've got access to, you know, people in this area, pretty much in the Southeastern Conference, not necessarily limited to the Southeastern Conference, but in this area in the Southeastern Conference footprint mm-hmm. that I can get to them and do it in a timely manner and we can tell the story with their voices. And so I pretty much approached it that way. Um, and it's, it's really interesting. Like no matter how much you plan and the, the plan at, at the whole time was to pretty much have everything nailed down with a month to go before the release. So most of the editing done, which a a lot of most of it is done, but not completed. Um, And here we are, sure enough, there's been a few interviews that we really wanted um, that had to be rescheduled. And it's gonna be like the last weekend in April and first weekend in May, we're about to hit the road and go knock some stuff out. And then we'll be coming back and adding that into the story where we've already got the timeline going. So it still feels like it's going to be like up to the last minute to make sure everything is, is rounded off. And, and I just tell you that to answer your question to say that I think if I had looking back on it, if I had tried to expand much farther than the footprint of people I have, I might've really messed up. <laughs> I say it, would, it would have turned into chaos. Now yeah. question for you here. Did you have any people a either turn you down or B like try to go off the record? Like just say, I'll give you a quote, but I don't want my face to be associated with it. Yeah. Um, I have had off the record conversations and, and, you know, contextual of people trying to help point me in one direction or another, uh-huh. but I haven't had anyone that says, Hey, I'm going to give you a quote, but don't put my name on it. I haven't had that. Okay. Um, but I have been turned down. Um, and I'll be honest with you. I kind of hesitate to just come right out and say who it is because you know, you're trying your best to give people the benefit of the doubt. And without knowing for sure, I'm going, well, maybe they turn me down because they don't want to meet some stranger face to face because maybe they're really sensitive about COVID. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't want to put them on front street if that's their reasoning and just assume, but I, 
I will tell you, I've had, you know, a couple of, um, well, one in particular, a key coach who, who really is kind of on the side of at a place where they have a lot of advantages compared mm-hmm. to other schools who was very cordial and just said, hey, we, we can make our assumptions here. <laughs> yeah. You can make your assumptions. Very cordial. I got a ton of respect for him, but he just said, Hey, I just, I would prefer not to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, thanks, you know, totally fine. And um, I've only had one school of, of all the ones. And, you know, there's been a bunch that we've been able to work with. I've only had one that really won't communicate with me. Um, And again, that's, you know, no one school is going to make or break this piece. Yeah, absolutely. It might be one of those things where like after it comes out and they see how good it is, maybe they're like, Hey, like if there's ever a part two, we want to contribute, you know? <laughs> sure. And, and, you know, the thing about it is I understand too, I'm realistic about this. You know, I'm not a, a, a guy who has published and, you know, had um, uh, aired a, a 30 for 30 with ESPN. I, I'm not a huge production company of 30 people and I'm not connected with one of those big networks. And so, you know, maybe they're skeptical. And like you say, um, you do the best you can with what you have, the whole Teddy Roosevelt thing, mm-hmm. put it out there and build your reputation. And then maybe we come. And yeah, that. absolutely. You never know what this video, what the opportunity this video could bring or the right set of eyeballs sees and says, this guy, we have this story about college baseball. Come on and let's, let's we got another project for you. Um, so as we're like kind of winding down for those people, like if you're trying to tell someone, Hey, what am I expecting to see when I'm watching this video? What would you tell them? A lot of action, a lot of talking, like what's your kind of idea genre of the video? Yeah, it's, it's going to be, there'll be a lot of different voices that will tell this story of, I think college baseball from the perspective of number one, how much it has grown. Okay. Therefore, how much room it has to grow in terms of support for the players. And let's start with the scholarship thing. These people can absolutely lay it out for you. It's my job to tether that together where it makes sense for you as you watch it. When you get through watching this, you're going to see from people who are um, passionate about it, who have worked in it for years, their entire careers, who have worked in athletics, who have played it. Uh, college baseball who've played at the professional level, others who you're going to hear those voices telling you, you know, this, there's got to be some steps that can be taken in the, with the way the college landscape is changing right now that are not only best and better for the sport, but best for the participation right now, the players in it now, and those young players that might want to come up and have an opportunity to play baseball, we've got to figure out a way where they can have a little more opportunity across the board. And you'll hear those voices tell that story. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So we're about to take a little commercial break. And then because we, we we're rebels, and we do the free zooms, even though we've had <laughs> dozens of people offer to pay for our free or upgrade our zoom, we're gonna take a little commercial break here, we're gonna send you another link back out and we'll wrap this thing up like kind of tell the people where they can watch it, what, when it's going to come out, what, um, and those kind of things. So we'll be right back, take a little commercial break and we will get this thing rolling. All right. We're back from the little commercial break. Thanks for the patience, everybody. And so this last like little segment we're going to do here, 
with Matt is uh, we're just going to kind of promote the uh, the video. So where can these people, like our listeners and the college baseball fans in general, like where can they find this video once it comes out? Yeah, I, uh, maybe just go ahead and bookmark um, the uh, URL, unevenbaseball.com. And what that does is it takes you to the page on my, our website where everything's going to land and live there. Now, and I will tell you, um, trying to just make sure that it's easily uh, available. Um, got a YouTube channel. We're going to post it on YouTube. Everything will be embedded there on the website as well. On Twitter and like social media stuff, my handle's Radio Wyatt, and we'll be promoting everything there too. So if they want to follow or check that out, they'll probably see links coming out. But the thing to remember is just that the name of it is Uneven. And so if you just go to unevenbaseball.com, everything will be right there. And if you go there right now, you see the promos. I was about to say, the promo videos are already up on the website and they're sweet. <laughs> they're really and, good. And actually what I'm doing is publishing a new version or new promo 30 seconds to a minute each mm -hmm. week leading up to the end of May when we put the finished piece out there so that, um, you know, we just have a fresh way to kind of keep the interest up until we Yep. Yeah. And you, and you, you guys plan on posting it the week before, or the week of the SEC baseball tournament, which is like right in the heart of when college baseball really ramps up. You get those conference tournaments. You can just smell the postseason. And I, I think that's perfect timing. For oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. Right. Whenever people are in the, the even like the non-college baseball fans watch the SEC tournament, uh, SEC network. People are yeah, hungry for content that time yeah. of the year. So it's yeah. going to be really good. So uh, is it like a set date exactly on when, when it's going to be released? Well, you guys might actually help me with this. I'm trying to decide if uh, that Monday night oh, – I'm sorry, that Monday – because the SEC tournament actually starts on a Tuesday. And I was thought, well, we might put it out on that Monday, which I believe is the 24th. But I'm starting mm -hmm. to think that maybe the thing to do uh, might be that we might publish on that night of the 23rd. So that Sunday night, mm -hmm. the, the 23rd, what I've done the last two weeks is we published a new promo on Sunday night of the following week. And it seemed to be a good time. And so we may just keep that consistent. If, and, if we had a say in it, I would yeah. say Sunday night would be perfect. Not because um, you know, it's a different, I mean, every night's the same, but people on Sundays, you know, after college baseball is all wrapped up, like they want to sit back and watch some, you know, TV or they watch live streaming. Plus we actually record every Sunday night. So we'll try to watch it before we record and do a okay. little synopsis, a little preview and like really hype people up to watch it um, whenever they see it. So I think it could work out perfect. That well, way. that would be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like the decision is made then. We don't shoot for that Sunday night, the 23rd. Oh, I Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say we'll publish it on the night of the 23rd on that Sunday night. I think it just makes total sense. And, yeah. Um, give everybody a chance to kind of soak it in that night, and then maybe the conversation could start a little bit that week. For sure. Have you had any um, contact or interest from Kendall Rogers or any of the D1 guys? Um, and and if they, what have they thought about it? No, I haven't. Um, and that's one of those things, too, where – I, I spent some time really trying to kind of think about, you know, from the media perspective, what's the best way to approach it. And, you know, um, uh, th those opportunities are there. Those guys normally are traveling to a lot of games, uh, showing up at our stadium a lot, and you'd have mm -hmm. access to those guys one-on-one. -on -one. 
Um, they haven't reached out to me yet. And, and really, honestly, uh, they might at any point, maybe even by the time you guys publish this, maybe I've heard from them or reached out to them, but we just started promoting it, which is kind of feels so yep. new. We're about a week into promoting it. Um, I have right now, I have one uh, media person, someone who's not a coach player or AD that we've interviewed for the piece, just one media person. And I know that's a little bit unusual for this kind of thing, um, I, I think what it was is kind of, I got into it and like I mentioned earlier, our coaches, our ADs, players are so willing to talk about this. They're the ones who've kind of experienced it firsthand from their side and have had, as you guys know, to juggle those 11.7 scholarships. And I mean, nine. if you, I mean, I was going to try not to say it, but it's, it's so relevant. If you walk into a head coach's office of a college baseball team, you're going to see a big whiteboard and it's going to have the list of names of each class. And it's going to literally, it's, it's literally a game plan. And then you have your 2022 high school recruits, 2023, 2024. And then you have dots on guys that are scholarship and no dot for guys that don't have a scholarship. And if a guy goes into the draft, you immediately go straight to that whiteboard with your calculator and you start figuring out where you can break up that money for your future recruit. And that's why people don't understand how difficult it is to build a team and a successful team year in and year out as a college baseball coach. No doubt about it. Well, and like you say, especially when let's just use a real life example. Let's say you're the coach at Alabama. Okay. And you just don't have any of that quote unquote funny money mm -hmm. uh, to help get guys in school and help with their costs beyond the 11.7 school. You don't have any of it beyond it. And it's even for in-state students at Alabama right now, it's really expensive. Yeah. Okay. You know, you can go out here, um, and the, the coach at Alabama, because he doesn't have lottery scholarships, he doesn't have need-based money, nothing like that. It's 11.7, that's it. So he can go to an in-state guy and go, I'm going to give you kind of the median scholarship. If we just divided 11.7 evenly across all, I'm going to give you the median at, let's say, 43% of a scholarship. Congratulations, Alabama wants you. With, here's what that means you're still going to have to pay $25,000 a year to come. And that's even unbelievable. With that. um, in other words, $100,000 over the course of four years, and we want you at Alabama. And meanwhile, okay, there's a coach, let's say one state over or two states over, who says, well, we'll do the 43%, but you made a 27 on your ACT. And for us, you're an out-of-state student, so we're going to slice that off of your mm -hmm. cost our cost of attendance is less than Alabama. So we're slicing that off. And oh, by the way, we've got this over here too. We can help you out on needs base. And so for you to come here to our school, it's going to cost you about 12,000 a year, mm -hmm. you know, more than half of what it would cost you to go to Alabama. Now, where do you want to go? Well, it's, it's a no brainer, no brainer. And then, and then you have coaches. And even for me, this was, this was how my scholarship broke it down. They gave me 50% scholarship in Georgia and I got academic. So I ended up getting almost hundred percent paid for, but yeah. I had to keep that 3.0 all four years. And now coaches all over my ass to make sure I get a 3.0 because 
I was a vital part of the program. If I get under a three zero, they lose me because I'm not paying $25,000 at Mercy University. So now yeah. they're saying, oh, shit, we got to give him another 50% to keep him around. And so they put me in study hall. They put me in all these ridiculous classes and all these ridiculous things. And I'm sitting here like I don't even control what's going on because I had to keep a 3-0. Okay, to keep a 3-0. And look, people that haven't been through it, and you have, I, I did from a football standpoint. I got news for you. When I went to school and as a freshman, for the first time in my life, I'm 18 years old. I'm not, mom and dad aren't right there with me. I'm in the dorm with my buddies. Um, we had a good time my freshman year. I literally came away from my first semester of college. I made a one point, I had a one seven GPA. And I mean, I'm thrust into study hall and all of this kind of stuff because then it hits. Hey, wait, you're not just here to have a good time. You know, you may be red shirting and think you got the world at your fingertips, but it's about to get serious. So like you say, even if you weren't, you know, goofing off, even if you're trying hard that first semester and you're loaded up with, you know, freshman algebra and all these freshman core classes, a 3.0 is difficult. You're working your butt <laughs> off to maintain that 3.0. And you stack your schedule in the fall to have a slightly easier schedule in the spring because you're on the road all the time. Right. So if you have a bad fall, you're ineligible for the spring, yeah, but that's... you have to stack your schedule in the fall so you can have an easier spring. So if you really think about it, the most important semester of the year is the fall for a baseball player. So they could be eligible for the spring, but it's also their most difficult semester of the year because sure. they don't have time in the spring. And, and you're sitting here like, are we even trying to give them the best opportunity to succeed? Yeah. And no is the answer, you know, basically what it is. And, and I think that's the rub and we'll get into that and sort of, you know, we can go on all night about this. We really could, but in the piece too, I think what we're going to do is try to really, you know, show that clearly. That I, I think when you look at the postseason in Division One baseball, you look at the College World Series, you look at TV contracts, you look at everything. Um, it it has grown. It's only going to continue to grow, and it's time for them to take a look and go, okay, has this thing gotten completely out of balance where we're actually bordering on taking advantage of? The kids there that are playing. That's the key word, taking and if, advantage of. If, and, and if you really take an objective look at that, you know, it's an affirmative. And no. so they've got to make some steps. For sure. And I, I mean, I think we touched on it. I mean, we could talk on this subject all night just because it's so oh, passionate. We're so passionate. <laughs> Me and Dimitri lived through it as far as like having to make good grades to keep that academic money to, you know, make the cost go down because we weren't both full scholarship guys athletically. Um, you know what? But yeah, I was going to add on to that. You know, I just I just thought about it. What you were talking about the whole one state over through Alabama or another school, Tennessee could only give me 10% because that's all they had left in that recruiting class. And I'm sitting here like, damn, that's an opportunity to play in the SEC. But I'm not I'm not taking 10% scholarship. That's just that's like it's like a two thing. That's just, you feel disrespected because you feel like you're more valuable than that. And two, that's just more money you have to pay. And you're sitting there like, well, Tennessee can't get me because that's all they have left. Why would I pay more money when I can go somewhere else for way cheaper? I mean, that's just a business thing. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, just quick story, uh, just because I think this ties into it and then we'll let you go, Matt. But okay. um, I mean, I was one of the guys that fell in the division one Juco back to division one where, you know, you had to graduate from junior college, but um, you know, I was a, uh, really good player at my first division one college, new coaching staff came in, 
um, decided to leave because of financial things. I wasn't offered the same scholarship because the new coaching staff. So I went to junior college for a year, full scholarship, you know, not paying for a single thing. Classes were much easier. There was more baseball involved. I loved it. And that got me to an opportunity to go to Mercer where, you know, I got ac academic money, athletic money. I mean, I wasn't paying hardly anything to play baseball there. So I lucked out, but there's a lot of guys that were in my shoes before and they've been in the same opportunities where after their scholarship gets pulled from division one, you know, they're not willing to go to junior college or D2 or walk on anywhere. You know, they're just done with the game. And it's a shame because like, I just know so many talented guys personally that happened to, and they just went and got a job, dropped out of college. You know, they only went to college to play baseball. And once that was taken away, they're like, all right, I don't need a degree. I'm going to go start working. So, but this is one of those things where we could talk on for days and we want to have you back on uh, maybe before you guys release, if you're not too busy, um, before you guys release it, hype it up one more time. But um, again, we just want every, all of our listeners to go check out unevenbaseball.com. Give Matt a follow on Twitter. It's at Radio Matt, or sorry, uh, at Radio Wyatt. And uh, we'll, de we'll definitely be promoting your stuff. But man, we can't thank you enough for everything you're doing to promote this sport, promote this issue that we're all involved in. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be good for both of us here. So if you ever need anything from us, let us know. We're here to help yeah. you. Well, I just appreciate it so much. Uh, you guys do a great job. And like I said, uh, kind of became through this, became aware of you and started to follow and listen and really enjoy the content. My hat's off to you. I hope you keep it up. And uh, again, really do appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. Appreciate it. Good luck with the rest of your filming. Good luck with it. We're looking forward to it. Bye.